Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was saying the race pace for Mercedes looks pretty strong. I think I had them ahead of Ferrari in that respect and not too far off the Red Bull. Three days in Bahrain and in the blink of an eye, the 2023 preseason testing is over. After an up and down testing, the sounds coming from within Mercedes seem optimistic, but the consensus seems to be they remain behind Red Bull and Ferrari as the new season gets underway. But have Mercedes kept something in reserve? What programs have they been running and what has been their objectives during these tests? My name is Val Baines and in this episode of the Silver Arrows podcast with the help of former Mercedes strategist and ex-head of strategy at Haas, Mike Caulfield, we'll be unpacking all the data analytics to work out exactly where Mercedes sit as they head into this new season. We'll get into our discussion with Mike, who's joining us live from Bahrain in just a second. But before we do that, we just want to say a huge thank you for all your support and feedback coming our way following our first episode with Craig Scarborough. If you haven't listened already, go back and give it a go. Craig gave us loads of detail on the philosophy behind the W14 with the added bonus of some insights into what's going on behind the scenes at Brackley and Bricksworth. And if you enjoy the podcast and enjoy this episode, then please please consider helping us grow the audience by leaving a review on your podcast app and sharing it with your friends and like-minded folk. We also love hearing your thoughts and getting your questions. So please do get in touch with us on Twitter at Merck F1 Pod, where we are always up for a chat. In the meantime, let's get down to business and jump in with Mike. So, Mike, before we begin on testing, can you just give uh, an explanation on yourself, who you are, your involvement within Mercedes and in F1 in general as well? Yeah, sure. Um, um, thanks for having me on. Um, pretty much first came into F1, it would be now close to 17 years ago. Um, so, yeah, I've heard first came in, which was Honda, obviously, which then became Braun and then onto Mercedes. And I first came, came into then 2006 as kind of a student. 
And then before rejoining Mercedes back in 2010, when in their first season as a strategy engineer. Um, and then I remained with Mercedes all the way up until the end of the 2016 season. So I got three championships under my belt. Um, before then, I went on to Haas to become the kind of head of strategy and remained there until midway through the 2021 season um, before taking just a step kind of slightly outside of F1, but still still involved to, to a certain extent. Amazing. And what would you think is the biggest difference between when you started in terms of that strategy to, to now? Um, I assume that the difference is, is so huge in terms of the technology, in terms of the personnel as well. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, going back to when I first started, so like I said, 2006, um, I did a bit of strategy. It wasn't my main role, but I worked alongside um, James Falls, obviously now Williams team principal, um, and he was the only strategist at Mercedes alongside doing other other jobs. At that point, yeah, strategy was still a very fresh thing in teams. I think you'll find going on nowadays um, but the much more sophisticated models and analysis tools and a lot of the data of coming in is automated and all the kind of models and analysis is almost kind of run as it's coming in. So you're just casting an eye over it. And um, yeah, you, when I rejoined in 2010, maybe two or three people. And now you've probably got the big teams are looking at having at least five, six people as kind of their strategy group on top of maybe another five, six people who are like in charge of strategy software. Um, strategy doesn't just encompass um, the kind of when to pit, start looking into competitor analysis, into tire performance. Um, you try and help out where you can within the team. The strategist always wears so many hats that not many people know about. You're currently in Bahrain at the moment, so I appreciate you joining us on the pod. So in terms of the Mercedes uh, W14 car, what do you think that the broad aims were for, for the three days of testing? I think they'll obviously have come into it with a, with a full test plan. Um, the main limitations we saw last year, have we got on top of that? Are we at least making progress on that? They'll have tried to kind of get that out from a performance point of view. I saw a lot of comments last week about, oh, testing needs to be more interesting. It's never going to be fully interesting because teams need to just sign off the car as well. But even things which fans don't think about, like, does the reverse gear work correctly? Is the pit stop equipment all working? Is, is like, the hydraulics working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, you've got to remember as well, but these, this is a sports team, but it's like, so this is, they haven't run in anger since November. So everyone's that little bit rusty. So it's learning your processes again. It's not just all about numbers. Obviously, it's fantastic if you're at the top of the leaderboard, but there's a lot of big run plans and lists that you need to go through and take off just to make sure that, yeah, okay, remember how to do this. We remember how to do this. It generally, in terms of testing, what they'll run is that, yeah, day one will just have been that kind of day just to get up and running. Let's do the do the kind of test which we need to do. We'll just run like a mid-fuel load and then we'll be like kind of ticking off programs. We won't run any kind of soft tires. We'll, we'll just be like this, the C3 tire, maybe our C2 tire. Just checking like the systems are working as they should, checking that like potentially the different engine modes are working, checking DRS is working, which obviously if you have a hydraulic issue, it doesn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you think it affects team having a quote unquote reduced time to test? Because I mean, last year, I know we had a new reg come in, we had six days of testing, but do you think teams are affected having a, a reduced testing time on track? Um, yeah, they will be. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Obviously, teams will take as much testing as you give them. And obviously, if you give them yeah, two weeks of testing, it just gives them more time to to get these, everything signed off, which they need to get signed off. And then that allows them a little bit more time to then do something um, like performance runs. Normally in testing, you want to get a racing done per car. But 
a racing per car, that's now when you've only got three days of testing, that's basically a, almost a full day of running gone. But then you're down to just over two days left to fit everything else in. If you have an issue when you've only got three days of testing and and you lose half a day or even a full day because you've got a major issue you're really on the back foot going into the first race it doesn't help when uh, as a mercedes fan of verstappen saying the car's even better than last year my head went straight into <laughs> straight into my hands uh, when he said that but in terms of that mercedes could you talk us through the programs that mercedes would do uh, on each day one two and three and a sort of breakdown of what happens as well for our listeners yeah i mean Obviously, but I'm I'm obviously not part of the team, so I can't give you that kind of full the full aspect of what they're looking for. But say, for example, day one, they're probably the first things they're going to come into is just getting some kind of consistent runs in, signing off some systems, or doing some kind of a little bit of performance work. All our runs are going to be twelve laps long, same fuel load, same tire, and then we'll do a run, like maybe do fast slow fast into consistent running, for example, and then with that we're building data. We'll do a setup change between run based on that first data. Or if there's a maybe a new part, there's like looking across two parts and doing a back-to-back in that and then goes out and then does the next run. Back-to-back run is is literally where they'll go out and they try and keep two runs which are next to each other as, as similar as possible and maybe making very minimal changes. And therefore, like they'll go in, do, do 10, 12 laps, come in, make a slightly little change, and then go out again and do another run, which is the same. So you're keeping as many constants as possible in, in that run. So you're able to kind of like narrow down and, and just check that one change you make. And, and, and that's the aspect of the back-to-back is to try and keep as many factors as similar as possible. And then you can start comparing that data. So that gives that kind of performance engineers that chance to like, right, what's working, what isn't working. Performance engineers who sit next to your race engineers, they're looking at just the overall performance of the car. So they're looking for kind of the, where where the driver's struggling. They're, they're more on that kind of driver side of things of, right, well, there's understeer at this corner, there's oversteer at this corner. Um, if we make a change, how has that affected it? And then they're making, obviously, trying to feed that back into to what's happening throughout the throughout the lap. Um, also, like the systems of the car, they'll be in con- communication with like the controls engineers so is the kind of diff, diff settings um are they what they want them to be um is, can that help them and they're kind of just trying to build that overall performance of of it as, as the name kind of of the of the role sounds they're looking for performance in in that kind of each lap and what can be taken out from the driver side of things and what can be kind of um take him out from the car side of things. So they'll be trying to separate that to, uh, that's just a, an instance of the driver's push too hard into that corner. Or, okay, no, this is, we've got severe understeer, right? Let's look at that, compare it with the simulations. The difficulty you have at Bahrain is obviously there's quite varying temperatures throughout the day, which kind of, obviously you need to take into account. So at the beginning of day one of testing and this this accounts to all teams and um, for, and for all testing venues is obviously the track's going to be very dusty very green very low grip so usually this is where people in testing will use those first couple of hours in testing just to sign off systems this is why you see teams come in with like the the big aero rakes on the cars at that point the flow of is because you're not looking for performance you're not trying to do comparisons because the track's not in an actual state where you can do some proper comparison so usually that first part of day one is is where you're just doing some data collection really and then they can go back to the factory and this is kind of used for data comparing to the wind tunnel or comparing to the kind of the simulations they've done uh cfd example and then we can we can start doing that 
in day two, I mean, once once you got day one, and if, depending on how your your day one's gone and you dropped off um, the the like the job list, you then start looking at day two as going right. Now we're going to start looking at some maybe a bit of low fuel runs. So we're like starting to look at performance runs, for an example. Um, we're starting to push that like kind of limit the card out a little bit more, and. It, this is what varies. Some teams will maybe drop the fuel load a little bit. Some teams will drop it a lot. But you may be seeing a case of, right, we're going to go and kind of do drop the fuel load a little bit and do some kind of couple of push laps fast or fast. And again, you probably what Mercedes tend to do is do fast or fast, but then they go into a little bit of a long run again afterwards. Um, and it's kind of, you maybe in these kind of runs, you, you're starting to turn the engine mode up a little bit. You're starting to use the softer compounds a little bit more. Um but maybe not going full flat out as in you're not like a qualifying fuel load, you're not at your qualifying engine mode, you're, you're not at any of those kind of levels. The drivers themselves as well still aren't pushing the car to the limits. They're still very much kind of learning what the car's doing. Um, they're just understanding as well what the car starts to do um, on that little bit, that lighter fuel load. Um, so that's another thing which is, is which they're trying to understand is because as the fuel load obviously goes off the car, they can the, the performance window does swing so it, it can change quite a bit so again it's trying to understand what happens where when you start to do these different fuel loads so they put it on that little bit lower one and then just change it around a bit if all goes well with that on day two you you potentially maybe start pushing and doing a race sim as well with with one of your cars obviously with it being in bahrain the bahrain racing is in the evening your ideal thing is you try and do your racing in that kind of that similar condition so you're unlikely to do that race him on day one, so you'd look to do it on the end of day two. So you're looking around that five o'clock, half five time. You have to go a little bit earlier than the race at six because testing finishes at half seven, and the FAA often do tests as well. So you're bringing that a little bit earlier, but the track temps start to go down, so you're starting to get a bit, bit more of that representative conditions. Unfortunately, that's where we saw the issue with um, George looking at his lap times there. I think he just started a, a, a race him on that one where when he had his issue. Um, because, yeah, his, his lap times looked like he was on a heavy fuel load at that point. And day three really is just almost a continuation of of what you've done on day two, but generally giving the other driver that opportunity. So he'll then do that, almost that same program the driver did because they alternate the drivers morning and afternoon. So obviously George was down to do the afternoon and day two, so Lewis was afternoon day three. Um, so it's, it's almost a similar program just to give that kind of same conditions Um same fuel loads, racing, and low fuel um, opportunities as well. So it's it's just that continuation. But again, you also see that kind of gives you that nice, in a broader sense of a back-to-back, because you can compare how day two went to day three. Um, and if you've got any kind of changes, because obviously look over all the days you went on day two, you can maybe look at things which didn't work quite well, right? What can we put into day three? And then you're almost comparing day to day and with the changes you made, obviously the track will change slightly but the good thing about Bahrain circuit is really that actually your day three morning is very similar to your day two morning by the time the track's rubbered up to about as much as it's going to um it cleans up and it um you, you can start getting some good comparable um information there so mike you mentioned that all important data but what's the difference between data and and telemetry nothing um, in, in as a, I mean, telemetry is obviously the the live stuff which comes off um, comes comes off the car, um, but 
basically it's it's a data system. So as the telemetry comes off, it gets populated in all their tools and they can see it live. I think the difference between it is obviously telemetry is showing that it's showing you nice graphs and it has all the curve features of it. it, has like mathematical bits in it. Whereas when I'm talking about data also is for potentially like that's then processed down the line. So that'll then get sent back to the factory and then the aerodynamicists have got all their data which has come off the wind tunnel which isn't telemetry and then they're trying to compare like the kind of calculations of the actual downforce or drag or or that aspect of, it, of different areas of the car and they're trying to take take the telemetry basically and look at it look at the um look at how it compares to other types of data so your simulation data your cfd your your your, your wind tunnel um, data for example Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With, with the te- telemetry, Mike, what information are, are we gaining from, from that data that you mentioned earlier? I know uh, Mercedes have that high downforce wing. So what sort of telemetry and data are we, are we getting from that? Yeah, so I mean, so obviously the telemetry itself is covers off the individual car. So Mercedes basically has car-to-car data on, from the telemetry. But the good things which the teams now have is like GPS data as well, which is that's where we're starting to can compare competitors. So this is where you can start looking at kind of what the performance is like through the different corners, what the performance is like on the straights, and that's almost coming in through live um, there's little caveats you've got to be careful of for looking at because obviously, yeah, Mercedes ran a high downforce wing, so you expect the cornering speed to be um, to to be kind of strong in in that respect because they're running a high downforce wing, and then the straight line speed is reduced. But you've also got to make sure, obviously, that you're looking at like for like in terms of fuel load, and we obviously don't know what other teams' fuel loads are in certain runs, um, which is where in testing, race teams are quite useful because. Obviously, you, you generally have a set fuel load to to do the race, so you can kind of then look at like for like in that respect. Um, so yeah, I mean, they'll be looking at that, and they'll be looking at if that wing's correct for them. You got to remember though, with these new cars, actually, the majority of the downforce is actually generated by the floor. Um, so actually, a difference in that kind of medium, high, low, each. Just because it looks like a high downforce wing 
doesn't necessarily mean it's maybe different from a medium downforce wing for someone else, but like they're generating their downforce in different in different ways. Ride height, which generates more downforce in a different area, which is less drag efficient, or vice versa, they yeah, can actually run the floor a bit lower, um, but still generating the same amount of um, downforce. So potentially this is something which Mercedes need to do for their other issues, we call them issues, but not issues, but issues they saw last year, that this is the kind of where their optimum setup is. Um, but actually kind of provides that good overall compromise throughout the circuit for, okay, we might be down in these certain areas, but we're up in these and actually for overall lap time, that works. And then looking at the data and looking at this as well, you obviously have to go for that further bit of how does this affect the tyres? Um, is this something which is compromising us doing a long run? Is this something that's compromising us doing a quality run? Obviously the points come on a, on a Sunday, so you want your race performance to be as good as possible. And, and maybe that's where Mercedes are concentrating more on them. They wanted to concentrate more on their race performance and their quality performance or vice versa. Um, so, so you're looking at the data in all these different aspects. Um, you always have to make compromises. And that's one thing about F1. No matter how good your car is, you're still going to have to make compromises. Even the Red Bull has to make compromises. The Ferrari has to make compromises. It's, it's just trying to figure out where's the best for, for the design of your car. Do you think Mercedes have achieved their aims of understanding that W40 more? Last year, we had the porpoising, the, my new favourite word of, of the year last year. So do you think uh, they've achieved their aims of that? Um, I mean, it's, a, it's the thing about F1 is there's, there's always improvements you can make. So, I mean, I think just even looking from the naked eye, like it already looks a much better car than it did last year in terms of that. The barring track's already always a little bit bumpy, so what some people might have thought was purposing is potentially just the bumps in the track. And you have to run these cars stiff as well, so you're, you're always going to get that little bit of bumping. But I think they've definitely made big improvements. Um, I mean, you could see the improvements made throughout last year as well, and it looks like it's just continued over the winter into the into the into the new car. So I don't think they'll be disappointed. Um, I think they're definitely heading in the right direction, and I think in all realists and I don't think they were expecting to suddenly be jumping and be half a second ahead of Red Bull, for example. I mean, it's with no kind of changes in regulation or no major changes in regulation from last year to this year. And with Red Bull having such a good car last year, it was always always going to be difficult to close the gap and get ahead of it. So, but, and obviously Red Bull are going to be making progress at that same point as well. So like you said, Max made the comment that he thinks he thinks the car's good. But I think that there are thereabouts. Like I said, yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for them to be competing fully with Red Bull. But I think they're in a better place than obviously they were this time last year. And you could see the progress that the team made throughout last year. So they're already better on a better starting foot this year. So, and the development will still go throughout the season as well. It's, we're still on that steep part of the um, development curve with these cars. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's shaping up to be an exciting season. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be um, worried if this, this race this weekend doesn't go quite the way people want it to go. I, I wouldn't be worried in that respect. I think it's there's a long way to go this season, and there's I think there's promise from from the car from what from what I've seen. I was hoping, Mike, you'd say that they'll have a perfect race this weekend and get uh, a one and two but uh <laughs> not the case yet so where do you think they they will be in the pack come abu dhabi at the end of the 2023 season this year well, i mean 
yeah, I mean, that's, it's hard to say, isn't it? it, it, it I mean, it's, it depends on basically how far they start off this this weekend. It'll be difficult. I think they'll be there or thereabouts competing with Red Bull for wins. I mean, Red Bull aren't going to drop off. They're, they're a very big team. They're, they're, they're a very good team. So I think if Mercedes can get onto the point where they're battling Red Bull week in, week out for wins, they win some, Red Bull wins some, I think that'll be a very that'll be a successful season. I think that's got to be their aim for the team. You're not going to be in the point where they were a few years back where they were winning races like by a pit stop. That Red Bull's just too strong. Um, and then, yeah, obviously it depends on the teams around them as well of, of where you're going to go. But I think Mercedes obviously one of the best teams plays to make that kind of development push as the season goes forward. So I'd be, I'd be confident, but I'd be confident. I'd be very surprised if they aren't competing with Red Bull at the end of the season. I can't tell you, yeah, if they'll be fastest or not, but I think there'll be some races where they are good. Some races which suit the Red Bull car better. There'll be some races which potentially suits the Ferrari as well. So I think it's it's shaping up to be quite a competitive season in that respect. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to, to the season. Is there any paddock chat? I know you're out there in uh, Bahrain, as I mentioned earlier. Is there any paddock chat? Everyone's quite calm at this point in time. Is that calmness normal? Um, yeah, it's, I mean... Everyone behind the scenes is not calm. Don't get me wrong. There's like, I mean, from from my role, which I will like, I can tell there's a lot of stress going through just based on like email tones which come through to me. Um, but in in the actual out in the open, everyone seems pretty relaxed. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they are. Um, but you, you don't want to give anything away. So even if you're slow, you don't want to give that away. If you're if you're quick, you don't want to give that away. Um, it's it's everyone everyone loves F1 to be that little bit of secretive even though it's like it's starting to become more and more open in terms of what you can see in testing and kind of what's given away um but yeah i think i think everyone's looking forward for the season to get going again i think the biggest surprise well and and i could be totally wrong i mean i'm 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 I could be I'm guessing as much as everyone else, but from what I've seen, the Aston Martin looks very strong this season as well. I think they're going to be the the biggest ones who have made that step up compared to last year. And it's just, I mean, you saw the progress they made through the second half of last year, but the car, from a couple of things I saw this week, looks pretty strong. So it'll be interesting to see whereabouts they exactly stand coming into this weekend's race. And also as well, I mean, I think it's a thing to point out for... Bahrain is quite a unique circuit as well. So what we see in Bahrain this weekend might be very different once we get to Saudi in a, in a couple of weeks as well. And then once we get to Australia, changes again. It's um, it's it's three very different circuits to start the season. And potentially if you've got if you've got a nice, well, obviously working car like the Red Bull, which generally works everywhere, that's fantastic. But some some teams like the Aston Martin might be suited perfectly for Bahrain. But then when you you actually take it to Saudi or somewhere, might really struggle so that's the kind of questions which will come as the season goes on and Mercedes just got to hope that it's, it's one of those circuits where uh, one of those cars where it kind of suits all circuits really I think the the interesting question here Mike is where do you think the pack is now versus where do you think the pack is going to be come Abu Dhabi 2023 yeah um I mean I'll just put that little caveat in there, but obviously I'm, I'm outside of a team, so I don't get all the information. And so I'm, I'm just trying to do it from my my experience. So there's 
don't hold me to to what I'm saying here. I could be totally wrong. Um, but um, I mean, from from my view, I think Red Bull look like they're the quickest, um, and then probably followed by Ferrari, Mercedes, Aston Martin, quite close together in that respect. But there's also quite a little bit of a split from what I've seen in terms of kind of what we class as qualifying pace and race pace as well. So I think I think Ferrari look very good on their kind of qualifying pace, but they look like they're really struggling in terms of the degradation in the race. Um, whereas Mercedes race pace generally looks a little bit better. So it might be that case of case in qualifying in, in Bahrain, but, but yeah, but you've got your Red Bull Ferrari up there um, and Mercedes that little bit off them, but I would say in the race pace, but Mercedes looks pretty strong. Um, Definitely, I think they were, I think I had them ahead of Ferrari in that respect, and not too far off the Red Bull. But we don't know what engine modes people are running. It's like we don't know how much more they've got to come and how conservative is running that, or, or even what fuel loads. There's potentially, if you've got that little bit of extra capacity, you've stuck that a little bit more fuel load in your racing. So, so there's still unknowns in that one. But that's my kind of general order. And as I said, like the Aston Martin. That's the that's a big surprise for me. I I just don't quite know where they're going to sit. They, they look very strong, and I just I don't know if I'm just being over optimistic with their their pace or not. Um, so as a conservative thing, I'd say they're probably just off the front three, but ahead of the rest of the midfield. And then you've got after that, you've you've just got your general midfield pack, which looks very close on the on the one lap pace. I would say pretty much anyone down below Aston Martin. Uh, it's really close. It's really difficult to kind of separate on that pace. They, they all look very good. And again, there's that maybe little caveat, but some teams are struggling a little bit more on the race pace um, in terms of degradation and kind of consistent running than others. So you might also see that change around come into next week for, because people have seen issues in that in those race simulations that are actually going to sacrifice that little bit of qualifying performance just to try and help the race. Um, so that, that'll kind of shake it up a little bit. But yeah, um, yeah. Unfortunately for this first race, I think Red Bull are probably going to have that edge. Um, but I'd, I'd, I'd be confident for the race that Mercedes will be there or thereabouts to, to at least compete for that kind of podium and pushing, pushing on them on on that front. For this season, uh, James Valves, a person you mentioned earlier, Mike has has less Mercedes, uh, and he's uh, gone into gone onto pastures new. So, how do you think that will affect? Mercedes and in terms of how they work he was an integral part of their success in the last couple of years or so so how do you think it will affect them I mean obviously he's, he's yeah like you say he's been he's been there for a long time and he's been very one of the main players in the kind of success going forward in terms of that strategy group I think from what I know of like the last couple of years he's been starting to take a little bit of a step back from the strategy role anyway so and I think what they did from last year when they weren't kind of competing for the championship, they started start that transitional process anyway to get um, some of the other guys in the group kind of trained up and in, into kind of that, that main role. So I'm kind of hoping that, that going forward that he's obviously going to be a loss for the team because he's, he's a very clever guy. You don't become a team principal of, of, of a F1 team if you, if you don't have some something about you. But I think the way Mercedes work it and the kind of how they've transitioned it into it, hopefully there won't be any kind of major operational kind of flaws which which come in for it i think the kind of transition which they've been doing over the last couple of years will mean it's almost seamless going into it the percentage may maybe like where it kind of just falls you might miss something of a jv's experiences if there's something comes up and he's he's 
want to answer kind of like some questions because because he, he's seen it over the last kind of 20 25 years he's he's almost seen every kind of occasion and like he can just draw on that experience and obviously lose that out a little bit but I don't I don't think from a strategic point of view they'll they'll actually they'll it'll be hugely noticeable from the outside they've obviously got a new group of people in there well not a new group it's a, an existing group who've been doing it for a long time but obviously in, into kind of that start frontline role but from what I know of them, they're, they're very, very strong people. They're, they're very good, and I don't think they'll, they'll have any issues um, replicating a kind of successful past, which which James had. So, Mike, we had some questions just to finish off this podcast from Twitter. So, uh, Noko is asking, do you think Mercedes will bring an update for the first race this weekend, apart from the new rear wing? I know you touched on it earlier in the pod, but what, what's your thoughts on that? I'd be surprised um, if they bring any updates from it. I mean, the turnaround with the cost cap and everything, its you've just had a week of testing, which you don't get from any races. If, you, if you'd, you'd want to, if you have a part you want to race, it's the perfect opportunity to test it and to make sure. So I'd be very surprised if, if anything major is coming for, for this race. You, you, you're kind of planning far enough out for knowing that the test and race is a week apart. Um but you'd, you'd try and get anything which you were having for race one would come for, for your test. It's it's a little bit different to the past where you used to go to testing in Barcelona, which is obviously just down the road, so you could be shift-heavy trucks going back and forward for that night. And then there was always a, a three-week gap between Barcelona ending and the next race, so it allowed you that opportunity where teams had like your testing um a testing car and then usually brought an update to, to, the, to race one. I think now... With them only being a week apart and it being in Bahrain, having done the test before, I'd, I'd be very surprised if there was any major updates coming for this this weekend. So thank you so much for that, Mike. Uh, Gunnar Maltz asks, is there a hint of Mercedes sandbagging? They seem to have an overall good car, but only some balance problems, which would presumably be solved come qualifying next week. Also, there's a drag problem. So Mike Elliott said they won't run that wing next week. What's your thoughts? Uh, on that, Mike? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love the term sandbagging. Like, <laughs> it kind of ties into what we kind of went through. Like, no team sandbags, no team deliberately hides performance. They're just going through a test program. Um, it's kind of, it's, yeah. It, there, obviously, there's a lot of fuel to come out of the car for next week. There's engine modes, but every team has exactly the same. There's like, if you if basically in testing, if you are running flat out engine modes, no fuel to get to the top of the timesheets, you're actually struggling, which is a kind of a strange way of looking at it. But if you are trying to do go for that headline time, you're struggling. But so there's definitely more to come, hundred percent. But to call it sandbagging is I don't think I don't think they're they're deliberately trying to hide their their overall pace. I think they're just trying to get through a test program in that respect. Um yeah, with with the New wing to come. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it'll be something they're probably running through practice and they'll be checking it out and that, and then they'll just get that compromise of, right, what what do we want? What was, what, what was working? It goes back to the earlier question, but like it'll, it'll add some performance somewhere, it'll take some performance off elsewhere. So it's it's just to work, whether that kind of works exactly as, uh, as they plan it to work. So I imagine they'll probably do a, 
either back again back to back with one car or one car will run the hide one and one car will run the other one and they'll see which one brings the best performance and then make that decision on, based on practice this Friday. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the, that sandbagging <laughs> as well. But the the last Twitter question we've got from uh, the Wolfman, Wolf with a, a double F at the end. So something is not quite adding up. It doesn't look like they're testing the whole car. Focus was only on reliability, floor suspensions and the front wing. Straight line speed and aero efficiency, including side pod, was not in the test scope. The Wolfman is asking, are Mercedes cooking something? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure, like, where, like what bits here. I mean, they did C5 running, which is kind of not just looking at reliability. So there's definitely there was different aspects. They did race sims. Um, they obviously weren't just concentrating on reliability because George has had, had an issue fall ups into his race sim. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, as we've talked about. They, they all have gone through a program. They're not. I don't think it's there's anything kind of sinister. I don't think it's it's. And as as we touched on the the fact that you have so limited testing time, you're putting yourself actually at risk going into a race that you're gonna start bringing things which you, you you've not touched on and you've not looked at in that in that performance this before. And so, yeah, I don't think they're cooking anything. I, I think they've they've gone through a test program and they've done what they wanted to do, and well, maybe not quite what they wanted to do because of George's issue. But they've got to a point where they're happy for next weekend, and then they'll continue it in free practice one and two this weekend of trying to get to that final bit, like every team will be doing, and then gradually dialing that car in before qualifying. But I mean, actually, to look at it one other way, if Mercedes have left something. Different to test or try and try and cook or whatever he calls it to in, in Friday, they're putting themselves at a very big risk because you're kind of giving up. Uh, you're leaving it very late to to see what works and what doesn't. The Wolfman, there's your answer. There, uh, we don't think they are they are cooking anything. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for your time, your insights, your knowledge. It's it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation, and we appreciate you taking time out of your day. Uh, to talk to us here at the Silver Arrows podcast. No worries, thank you. And that's about it for this week. A massive thank you to Mike for his time and his insight. We'd like to say Mike will be joining us throughout this season. And thanks again to you for all of your support and messages. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at MerkF1Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. We'll be back next week to give you detailed insight into the first race of the 2023 season. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let's go racing.